Will you please pray with me? Oh, breath of heaven, would you come now and breathe your presence and your life into us? God, would you be pleased to speak through a broken sinner in a way, in a manner that you can answer the question, what child is this? That this child is Jesus. And because you're here and you're with us and you give us ears to hear his voice and and you give us minds to understand who you are and what he's done for us. And God, would you give us hearts that beat for you? And God, would you use all those things to, to make us more like that child, more like that king, more like that resurrected savior, Jesus, our big brother, our hope. So God, come and, and use these words to shape and make us more like him so we can walk in a manner worthy of him. God, the things that are said that are my opinion are wrong, may they quickly be forgotten and fall away. But God, the things that are true and contain the good news of Jesus, would you use those things to shape us, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, this Advent season, we've been trying to dig a little deeper into the significance of Advent, to the significance of Christmas. I mean, what is this all about? If you remember the first week we started with a song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And we realized that our society that, that we live in has a very confusing reason or a very confusing view of what makes this the most wonderful time of the year. So what we've been using as a springboard launching into this significance, this entire Advent season we continue today, is this passage out of Galatians, this amazing passage. And it tells us that God in the fullness of time would send forth his son. And his son would be things like born of a woman, born uh, under the law. That he might come to, to redeem us, to rescue us. It talks about a God who would also send the spirit of his son into our hearts. So that sinners like us, broken people like us, that we would have such an amazing relationship with God. That we even now can cry out, Abba. Father, so far as we've been looking at this, we looked at the fullness of time, this, this, this phrase out of Galatians. What does that mean? Well, we know that now time has a point. And the whole thing of time, the point is Jesus. We looked at time has a crescendo, and the crescendo will be he comes again, and we're going to be like him. And also realize in the fullness of time that time has a master. Maybe you're here today and they're struggling with things and there's difficulty in your life and you might be crying out saying, God, are you there? Or God, when? Or God, how long? And, and we know because of the fullness of time, because of the Advent season, that, that time has a master and it's God. His timing's perfect. We looked at the fullness of God last week. We looked at the Advent season. Oftentimes it says that Jesus is the reason for the season. And that's true, but it's not all true. We realize it was God the Father who initiates the season. He sent forth the Son. It was the son who secured our rights, our full rights as sons. Isn't that amazing? Even now, our full rights as son have been secured through Jesus. And then he sends forth this Holy Spirit, the fullness of God, so that we can have that relational right with God, so that we could cry out in the most tender of ways. And today we look at this, what does it mean, born of woman? Wow, are you ready? I'm telling you, born of woman. 
The significance of this. The significance of this that allows this whole story uh, to hold together, this whole story to unfold. It may sound like a little phrase, well, Jesus was born of a woman, but let's see what it really means. It's, it's amazing significance. I bought my own Christmas presents this Christmas. And you might think, well, wait a minute, that's real noble of you, Jeff. You bought your own Christmas presents. You might be thinking that I'm saying that I bought my Christmas presents for others. No, I'll do that too. I bought my own Christmas presents this year. I mean, the ones that I, I kind of wanted, the ones that uh, I knew that, that w- would fit me. And so I announced to Katie and the family, hey, good news. Uh, I have all the Christmas presents. You don't have to shout for me. I got them all uh, because I know my size. I know my budget. I know it fits and I know what I like. And therefore, uh, bah humbug, I followed a father tradition that my father did. I bought my own Christmas presents. But I'll let them wrap it. You see, the, the, the deal is this, is uh, uh, we have kind of a mentality of wanting to choose our own God, wanting to choose what we think how God should be for us and how God should relate to us. And sometimes we feel like, hey, I know what's best. And therefore, since I know what's best, I want to be able to pick and choose this God. Well, we could clearly see that that's not going to get us very far. We're broken sinners. But there's good news is the God who created us, the God who loves us, the God who made us in his image. This God, he knows what's best for us. He knows exactly, listen, he knows exactly right now the perfect fit for God in your life. The perfect fit for a God to be able to relate to you, for a God to be able to rescue you. He knows the perfect fit of the God that makes the story of your life make sense. And therefore, since he knows, he says, I'm going to send my son to come and rescue you. You know, I'm reading a new biography. I'm I'm into it. I can't put it down. I'm kind of becoming obnoxious with it. Uh, It's the Steve Jobs biography. Uh, Isaac's son has uh, written this biography. He's a great writer. I don't know if I've ever written or read any of his other stuff, but I've always been intrigued with with Apple. I've always been intrigued. I've had a a product of theirs or computer for the last 20 years. Uh, I just think their stuff is cool. and I think their stuff works. Okay. I'm not one of those guys. And if you're one of them, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you. I don't, I don't have any thing on my car that says I'm part of the Mac call or the Apple car uh, call. And I know that there's a people in our culture that think Steve Jobs, man, he's like changed the world. And he did. But there's good news that Jesus changes the world a whole lot better than Steve Jobs. But what interests me about Steve Jobs, he talked about market research and he talked about market research. He says this, he says, market research is really just gathering information to give people what they want. He said, I don't do that. And he quotes Henry Ford. He says this, he says, uh, Henry Ford had a different approach. He says, Ford said, if I asked people what they wanted, they'd say a faster horse. I had to show them what they wanted. I had to create something to show them this is it. This is what you want. And then that was kind of Job's mantra to, to, to kind of be ahead of the curve and to come out with a product and say, oh yeah, I want that. I need that even before we realized we wanted it or needed it. Interesting. And God knew our condition, our rebellion. He knew not having to do any market research. He knew what we needed long before we did. And he knew what we needed was a savior, a savior born of a woman 
to come rescue us. He knew what we needed. An amazing thing about this God is he provides all that we need, even the ability and the gift to believe in him. And we're going to look at this significance. So what does it really mean that God will show us what we needed? Well, part of the significance of Jesus and what we really need, this, this perfect fitting Savior for all of us, is that he had to be born of a woman. Born of a woman. Because Jesus was born of a woman, Mary. There are three things that we have to see. Now, let me tell you, these are not going to be listed in your bulletin. The things listed in your bulletin will fall into these three things. So let me encourage you to write them down. Because the significance, this born of a woman, man, listen to these three things. Because of this reality, one, we have a God who can relate to us. Because of the reality that Jesus was born of a woman, we have, one, a God who can relate to us. Two, we have a Savior who can rescue us. Because Jesus was born of a woman. And we're going to look at the implications of what that fully means or look more fully at what that means, we have a Savior who can truly rescue us. That's our two greatest needs. A God who can relate. A Savior who can rescue. And thirdly, because Jesus was born of a woman, we have a hero, a seed, a hero, a protagonist, a hero who brings resolution to the whole story of the Bible. I'm here to tell you That if Jesus wasn't born of a woman and understanding what that fully means, this book doesn't make sense. But the amazing reality of Jesus being fully God, fully man, being born of a woman, he's able to bring resolution to everything. We're going to see how. I hope you are excited about that. First of all, it's this, as God who can relate to us. Jesus being born of a woman, just like you and I were born of a woman. Jesus being born of a woman, being fully man, is a God we can relate to. Remember the Joan Osborne song? The Joan Osborne song that became popular on the radio. It, became, asked, uh, it, it asked the question, what if, what if God were one of us? It asks a question in a very interesting little jingle. It says, what if God were one of us? What if God was just like a a stranger on the bus? Uh, What if God were were one of us? And I think what she was singing about was that each one of us, as we are made in his image and made for a relationship with him, and sometimes we think about God and the creator of all things and and big and holy and, and, and just enormous, eternal. And some of those things make God, which are true about God, far away. And when we think of the enormity of God, and Osborne asks a question that's in all of our hearts. What if God could relate to us? What if, what if God were one of us? And the amazing reality of this is that God was born of a woman so that he could fully relate to us. Because he did become one of us. That is the reality of Christmas saying, born of a woman. Let's look at Hebrews. If you want to have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 2. We're going to look at a couple passages in Hebrew that are going to unpack for us this amazing significance of Jesus' humanity. Why is this important? Well, Jesus' humanity and cards are relating to us. We know that he is like us. So Hebrews 2, verse 17 and 18 says this. 
Therefore, he, Jesus, had been made like his brothers in every respect. Here's what it's saying. Jesus being born of a woman, he, he was just like you. I mean, he had the same feelings. He had the same kind of body. I mean, he was truly fully man with full range of emotion, like a, a soul like yours, a body like yours, experiences like yours. Jesus was made exactly like us, fully man in every respect. Why? So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God. He might become a God who is able to show mercy because he's been in our shoes. For because he himself was, has suffered, and oh, did he suffered. Are you here today suffering? It says about this God, he can relate to your suffering. Why? He suffered. He's the man of sorrows more than anyone. He was tempted. Are you here today? Is, is the enemy crouching at your door tempting you? Know that Jesus is like you. He was tempted toe-to-toe with Satan. But so therefore, he's able to help those who are being tempted. There's good news for Joan. There's good news for those of us who long, all of us who long for a God who can relate to us. Born of a woman means Jesus, fully man, understands. He understands. He fits. Hebrews 4.15 says this. Flip a page to Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest. And by the way, the writer of Hebrews here is using the phrase high priest because Jesus is the one who offers the ultimate sacrifice for sinners. Unbelievably, he is the ultimate sacrifice for sinners, but that's another sermon. Uh, he, uh, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect was tempted as we are, yet without sin. So we could become that sacrifice. So what happens? So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I mean, when we hear this passage and we see that Jesus was born of a woman, really what God is doing is is he's showing us that this one sent by God who is fully God is also fully man. And as he's fully man, he's experienced all that you've experienced, all that I've experienced. Sometimes our prayers feel like they're hitting the ceiling and going no further. Sometimes it feels like God's so far and so cold. But the reality is, is Jesus has come. Isaiah said this about him. Call him Emmanuel. God with us. Isn't it really good news, my brothers and sisters, that God is with us? Isn't it really good news that God is for us? But let's peel that onion a little deeper and say, it's more than God is with us. It's more than God is for us. God became one of us. He became one of us to rescue us. He became one of us to be able to relate to us. Well, we think we might be able to want to pick out the right savior, pick out one that fits. But the only one that will ever answer Joan's cry, what if God were one of us? And the only one that will ever be able to fulfill your needs to know and love the God who is, it's Jesus. Because he was born of a woman. But you know what? We need more than a God who could relate to us. 
We need a God who can rescue us. And again, Jesus is the perfect fit. And I, and I just, I just kind of want to pause and say, you know, if Christmas was a celebration that God came, one of us, to, to relate to us, we would have reason to worship. We would have reason to celebrate. But I got to tell you, my brothers and sisters, there's more. He came born of a woman not just to relate, but he came born of a woman because that was a prescription to rescue That is what God needed to have for you and me to be redeemed, for you and me to be made new. It was a Savior who can rescue us. Ever since the fall, the Bible tells us, and you read through the Bible, it's a story of of how God created. It's a story of how man rebelled. And it's a story of how God restored through through the work of his Son. It's a story that one day we will be with him and we'll see him as he is and we will be like him. It's a story of paradise lost in our sin. It's a story of paradise found in what Christ has done for us. But when we read the story, we're only a couple of pages in. As a matter of fact, you get to the third chapter of Genesis and you realize, uh-oh, God made us for himself. God made us for paradise, but we rebelled. We rebelled and we lost that spiritual life that he had given us. Death was now a part of the equation. Death now reigned. We were banished from the garden, banished from God's presence. And as soon as man and woman sinned, we needed a savior. We needed one who comes and who would restore everything we'd lost. We needed one who would come that would make us right with God. Because we can't do it ourselves. We needed to be rescued. You know where the first promise of a Savior is? Genesis 3, 15. Right when the story takes an ugly turn. Right when you and I rebelled. And I say you and I rebelled because I want you to know, I believe that Adam perfectly represented us. Adam and Eve. I believe their sin was our sin. I believe their guilt was passed to us. Their brokenness came through to us as well. And man couldn't fix it. But here's what... God said he was giving out the consequences of sin and, and he's talking to Adam and Eve and he's talking to Eve and he says to Eve, he says this, kind of some interesting verbiage. He says, Eve, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put enmity, I'm going to put hatred and strife. I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. Let me rephrase that. He's talking actually to Satan there saying, I'm going to put enmity between you, Eve, and uh, the serpent and between your offspring, your seed, and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, hmm, what? What? What was that all about? Uh, enmity between a, a serpent that's a Satan and a seed of a woman. Um, but it's the first promise that God says, listen, from you, Eve, a Savior's coming. From your seed, there's one who's coming. And the one who's coming is going to crush death. The one who's coming is going to be the savior of the world. The one who's coming is going to conquer all yours and my enemies. It's going to come right from your seed. You know, Eve thought it was Cain. <laughs> Eve was like, okay, here comes the promise. It's Cain. This is, my, this is my seed. This is it. Cain turned out to be a murderer of his own brother. And there was a long wait of when is that seed going to come? But Jesus is the fulfillment of God's first promise as a savior. And that's why if you look at Matthew 121, they said, you shall call his name. What? You should call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. 
You see, it had to come from from that woman's seed. That was promised all along, a promise of a Savior that was to come. But there's more about this Savior, more about this woman's seed. Jesus had to be the Holy Son of God. Luke 1.35. Look what it says in Luke 1.35. It says that Jesus has this this weird uh, um, uh, conception. I mean, it's, it's not just Mary, and it's certainly not Joseph. It says, according to the Bible, it says that born of a woman means that the Father was actually the Holy Spirit. That in a mystery that that Mary, a virgin, Mary was overshadowed by God and, and she conceived a mystery. But Jesus, why, 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 why did God need to have what some would say the foolishness of a virgin birth? Why would God need the foolishness of saying that Mary wasn't, didn't have sex with Joseph. I mean, come on, why do we need it? I'm telling you, the whole story crumbles without it. Because what we need as a savior is that we needed the sinless son and holy son of God to be the one who rescues us. He had to be uh, born of a virgin. I mean, to fulfill Isaiah 7.14, it says that a virgin will be with child. What does it mean that he was born of a woman? Now lean into this because I know we're getting deep here. It means this, is that, that he had to become the sinless son of man. I mean, God created, the Bible tells us, two Adams. He created us a first Adam to know and love him and he rebelled and he sinned. And ever since that first Adam, we've been all born sinners. Ever since that. So the second Adam, the only way that God was able to rescue us is if he had a pure son, a holy son, a holy son of God. Now listen, the only way Jesus is the holy son of God is if he's born of a virgin. Because if his parents are Mary and Joseph, guess what? Jesus is like us in sin. He too is a sinner. He too needs a savior. He can't rescue himself, let alone us. Born of woman. Conceived by the Holy Ghost. So that Jesus, his name will be great. Because he is very God. He is sinless, holy son of God. The story crumbles without that. Born of a woman means fully man. Fully man to fulfill the law of God. You see, for God to accept us, he had, he's holy. He had to have perfection. There had to be one who came and, and, and perfected the law for us. And that's so important to us. Jesus had to be fully man so that he could do what God required as man. He had to be sinless from birth or he's disqualified. You kind of get it? So when it says born of woman here, it's amazing. So he's fully man to fulfill the law of God. He's sent by the father, which means fully God, to become the curse of the law. Wow. Suffered under the curse of the law for us. So we talk about this, we talk about this, a born of a woman, and we need a savior to be rescued. We see a promised seed, and here comes Jesus. We see the fact that he has to be sinless and holy. Therefore, you need things like a virgin birth and a sinless savior. But all that to be our savior, here's, here's the beauty. We had to have the holy son of God and the sinless son of man to become what? The lamb of God. Okay. Matthew 1, name him Jesus because he will save his people from the sins. Matthew also says what Luke says has to be born of a virgin. You get to John. And John, uh, John 1 says this. When John the Baptist 
uh, saw Jesus, he said some amazing words. Uh, he says, behold, behold in Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How in the world can Jesus be the Lamb of God? Well, he had to be the one who was the one who was promised to come. He had to be that, that holy Son of God. He had to be the sinless Son of Man. We read the Bible, we realize that God requires a sacrifice for sins. And he doesn't want you to bring garbage. He says in the Old Testament, listen, you've got to bring something spotless, pure, without blemish. And all that blood of goats and bulls it only pointed to Jesus' sacrifice. You see, for Jesus to fulfill what John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he had to be the spotless Lamb of God, the sinless Lamb of God. Not only did he have to be the sinless Lamb of God, he had to be the one who became the sacrifice of God, the sinless one, becoming our sin so that we could become Righteous in God's sight. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it this way. For God took him who knew no sin, that one born of a woman, that holy one of God, to become sin. So that in him we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Take away born of a woman and the whole story crumbles. Take away born of a woman who's sinless. Our curse is still upon us. But the reality is, is Jesus is the perfect fit for you and me. Lastly, he's a hero who brings resolution to the whole story of the Bible. You know, an amazing story. Let me encourage you to read it this year. Have you ever read through the Bible? Um, I've already, uh, I've pulled out my devotional reading for this year. I can't wait. Every year I, I pick some new books. I always have a few old ones that I have. Uh, typically I buy a new Bible. I've done it. Uh, this year I'm reading, by the way, the New Living Translation. Uh, you know, it's hard to get into that translation after you go to seminary because, you know, it's, it's, well, it's not as exact to the Hebrew and the Greek. But I've had so many people read it and really love it. Kind of like I read the message a few years ago. Uh, and so I got that ready to go and I can't wait. I'm going to read through it. Will you read through it with me this year? Um, but when you read through the story of the Bible, you're going to realize there's some amazing promises here. You almost want to say, God, how are you going to deliver on all these things? And you know that you could follow the storyline of the Bible. Just hang with me. We're almost done. You could follow the storyline of the Bible if you follow what is described as a righteous seed of the Bible. I mean, I told you Genesis 3.15 is the first promise of a Savior to come who's a righteous seed. In Genesis 9, he tells them, Noah, he, there's a, a seed to come. Uh, he promises a seed to come to Abraham, a man who is righteous because he believed in God. In, in Genesis 12, 15, 17, and 22, it talks about a seed to come. It says, listen, this seed is going to have a relationship with me, and I'm going to be their God, and they're going to be my people, and this seed is going to be a blessing to all the nations. And then he comes to King David, who was a righteous king, but he still was a sinner. He came to David and says, and through your seed, David, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put a king on the throne, and this king will endure forever. And you start to get to the fact of thinking, okay, God, I think you're promising a whole lot here. How are you going to deliver? I mean, you have all these seeds out there. You have a seed that's going to be a savior. You got a seed that's going to have a covenant relationship with us. You have a seed that's going to be a king. How in the world do you do it? Galatians 3.16. Look at Galatians 3.16. Galatians 3.16, God tells us that, hey, there's not many seeds. There's not many 
There's one. There's always been one hope of the Bible. There's always been one promise of the Bible. There's always been one Savior of the Bible. Everything of the Bible all pointed to Jesus. You see, he's the protagonist of the whole story. He's the seed of the whole story. He's the hope of the whole story. He holds the whole thing together. Because it's all about him. It all pointed to him. All the promises find their yes in him. What does it mean for you and me? Jesus is the only one who can bring resolution to your story and mine. He's the only one that's the perfect fit of a savior that can relate to us, rescue us, and hold the story together. It's Jesus. Do you know and love him? Do you trust him? Are you turning your life over to him? It's interesting in this biography about Jobs, uh, Mark, or Mike Markula uh, wrote a one-page early on Apple marketing philosophy. He said, this is going to change the world. He said, we're going to stress three points. Empathy. We're going to have empathy. We're going to have intimate contact with the feeling of our customers. We'll truly understand their needs better than anybody else. He says, we're going to have focus. We're going to have focus that we're going to do that which we must do right in front of us. We will not focus. We'll eliminate any other opportunities that aren't important. And then he had this weird word, impute, impute. Everything we make will impute what we believe by what we make to others. It basically also talks about like packaging. Everything that we do, it will impute our values of who we are. Jesus born of a woman, empathy. God truly relates to us. Focus. Jesus truly came and focused on that cross to die for us, to redeem us, to rescue us, to be our savior and let everything else fall away. Impute. Through a relationship with him, you ready for this? His righteousness, our righteousness. His position as son, our position is son. All that he has earned is the righteous son of God, now ours in Christ Jesus. Impute all of our filth, all of, the, all of the wrath we deserve, he takes. Jesus is the perfect fit. Do you know him? Do you love him? Do you understand, born of a woman, without that reality, it crumbles. Let us pray. Father, as I close the prayer, I think, of, I think of Joan Osborne again. I think about a singer saying, man, what if, what if God were one of us? Wouldn't that be awesome to relate to a God who is one of us? Is that not the Christ, Christmas story? That God became one of us, but not just to relate to us, but to rescue us, to make us new, and to make that whole story of the Bible just have resolution and fit. But it's so much more than just that story. It's our story that Jesus has come to give us life and life abundantly. He's come so that our story can be a part of his story. So that we could do more than just relate to this God. We could be a part of his family. 
Father, you want the world to know. You want the Joan Osborns of this world who are crying out saying, what if God were one of us? You want to show them the truth. And you want to use our lives to tell your story. It's a perfect fit. So God, may we wear this story well for your glory. And may others see Jesus in us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.